1: Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle.
2: from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Wednesday, March 23rd, 2022. Coming up this hour.
0: President Biden heads to Europe to push for tougher sanctions on Russia.
2: Supreme Court nominee Ketanji Brown-Jackson's on Capitol Hill for day three of confirmation hearings.
0: And global bond markets suffer unprecedented losses since peaking last year.
3: New York City may lift rules requiring face masks for children under five. Plus, a deadly tornado cuts a destructive path through New Orleans. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead.
4: I'm John Stash Aaron Sports. A loss for the Knicks, a win for the Islanders. The Devils beat the Rangers, and the top women's tennis player in the world is retiring. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg
5: 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119 and around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg
2: Business app. Good
0: morning, I'm John Tucker.
2: I'm Nathan Hager. Futures are moving lower this morning. We're coming up to 6.01 on Wall Street, and we check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down almost 15 points. Dow futures down 94. NASDAQ futures are lower by almost 59 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 7.30 seconds. The yield 2.35%. Yield on the two-year, 2.11%. NYMEX crude is up 1.5%, or a $1.65 to $110.93 a barrel. John? And Nathan, will have more in the markets in a
0: minute. But first, the latest on the war in Ukraine. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky says about 100,000 people remain in the besieged city of Maripol. They're without food, water and medicine and under constant bombardment. Meantime, President Biden heads to Europe to rally allies around tougher sanctions on Russia. That story from Bloomberg's Ed Baxter.
5: National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan says the Biden trip this week will firm the
2: plans. He will join our partners in imposing further sanctions on Russia and tightening the existing sanctions to crack down on evasion and to ensure robust enforcement. And
5: reports are that the Biden administration is preparing sanctions on most members of Russia's state Duma, the lower House of Parliament, more than 300. They will be coordinated with the EU. In San Francisco, I'm Ed Baxter, Bloomberg Daybreak.
2: All right, Ed, thanks. Another major story we're following takes us back to Capitol Hill, where it will be day three of Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson's Supreme Court hearings before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Yesterday marked Jackson's first chance to field questions from senators. Amy Morris has details from our Bloomberg 99. one newsroom in Washington.
6: Republican Senator Marsha Blackburn pressed Jackson on abortion and whether she would respect the Supreme Court's ruling in the event that the court effectively guts Roe v. Wade. Senator, whatever the Supreme Court decides in Dobbs will be the precedent of the Supreme Court, and I commit to treating it as I would any other precedent. Republican Senator Tom Cotton pressed Jackson on policing and the
2: role of law enforcement. I asked a simple either-or question. Does United States need more or fewer police?
6: Senator, the determination about whether there should be more or fewer police is a policy decision by another branch of government. It is not something that judges have control over. More questioning by senators is set for today. In Washington, I'm Amy Morris, Bloomberg
0: Daybreak. Right, thanks, Amy. We turn from Washington to China now. The latest details on the deadly plane crash this week. The China Eastern jet that crashed Monday was traveling close to the speed of sound just moments before it plunged into a hillside. Let's get more from Bloomberg's Asia correspondent, Stephen Engel. When the airplane is traveling at that speed, crashing into the ground, it obliterates Everything, including potentially
1: the flight and voice data recorders, the so-called black boxes, which are actually, of course, orange, and those have been found. And that will be critical, of course, to determining what exactly caused this mystery crash.
0: Bloomberg's Stephen Angle reports that a black box was found just today. After all, 132 people on board died in the crash.
2: Well, back here in the U.S., John, for markets, it's all about the Fed. Central bank officials are joining Jay Powell's hawkish call on interest rates. Cleveland Fed President Loretta Mester says more than a quarter-point hike may be needed.
6: I don't think 50 basis points should be off the table. I, you know, my fund rate path is a little steeper than the median path. So if you do the math, you know, um, I think we're, we're going to probably need to move Some some of those meetings, 50, but we're going to go into every meeting looking at what the data is telling us about the outlook before we determine. We don't predetermine before we go there.
2: Loretta Mester joins St. Louis Fed President Jim Bullard in calling for quicker tightening. Bullard tells Bloomberg faster is better when it comes to rate hikes. What you have to do is move the policy rate up discreetly a fair amount, uh, not to be too disruptive, but I think 50 basis point moves would definitely be in the mix and then get to a level that we can be neutral, and then from there we can decide if we want to be uh, restrictive and put further downward pressure on inflation. Jim Bullard's reiterating his call for interest rates to rise above 3% this year. Stay tuned for more from the Fed today when we'll speak live with San Francisco President Mary Daly. That's coming up at 11.30 a.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio and Television.
0: Nathan, the prospect of higher rates taking a toll on the bond market, the Bloomberg Global Aggregate Index, as a benchmark for government and corporate debt total returns, has fallen 11% from its high in January of last year. That's the biggest decline from a peak in data stretching back to 1990. It equates to a drop in the index market value of about $2.6 trillion. Well,
2: when it comes to stocks, John, now is not the time to buy. That's according to Mohammed El-Aryan, the Bloomberg Opinion columnist and chief economic advisor at Allianz. He says investors should pair their holdings.
0: If I'm investing over the next 12-month horizon... I would reduce equities
2: at this point. I would take some money off the table. I think the market is giving you a wonderful opportunity to come out. Mohammed Alarian says equity markets have yet to factor in what's to come for the economy.
0: And speaking of the economy, we have fresh data on wages this morning. There's a new study that shows many Americans are still seeing pay below $15 an hour. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with details. Renita, good morning.
1: Good morning, John. A report from Oxfam America finds one in three U.S. workers is still making less than $15 an hour, and the share of women and people of color earning that amount is even greater. The report helps quantify how many Americans could be impacted by the Raise the Wage Act, which would set a $15 an hour federal minimum wage. The legislation is still pending in Congress. While 25% of men earn less than $15, an hour. The figure is 40% for women and 50% for working women of color. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak.
0: All right, Renita, thanks very much. Dow futures right now down 85, S&P futures down 14. This is Bloomberg. And that brings us to 607 on Wall Street. Let's bring in Michael Barr now to find out what else is going on in New York and
3: around the world. John, thank you very much, sir. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is preparing to lift requirements that children under the age of five wear face masks
4: in school. We are announcing that if the numbers continue to show a low level of risk, let me say that again. If the numbers continue to show a low level of risk, masks will be optional for two to 4 years old students in schools and in daycare.
3: Adams says it will start April 4th if case rates and the risk of the virus spreading remain low. Adams two weeks ago lifted several pandemic-related rules, including that students five and older wear masks in school. A new federal lawsuit accuses the NYPD of taking and storing DNA as part of an illegal and unregulated database. The lawsuit accuses the department of turning tens of thousands of people into, quote, permanent criminal suspects. It happens when someone is arrested or brought in for questioning and eats, drinks, or smokes while on the premises. The NYPD admits it collects DNA in this way but says it is within the law. A large destructive tornado struck the east side of New Orleans last night. St. Bernard Parish President Guy McGinnis says the damage is widespread.
5: We had a home that was lifted off its foundation and put into the middle of the street right around the corner from here.
3: Parish President Guy McGinnis says at least one person was killed. The twister was part of an outbreak of severe thunderstorms across the Deep South and followed a siege of tornadoes in Texas on Monday. Hillary Clinton tested positive for COVID-19 and has some mild cold symptoms. According to a tweet, the former Secretary of State and former presidential candidate says she is feeling fine. And White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki tested positive for COVID-19 and will no longer travel with President Joe Biden to Europe. Saki says she is experiencing only mild symptoms and will isolate for five days. Biden tested negative. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg
0: John. Michael, thank you. And it's 6.09 on Wall Street time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashower. All
4: right, John, the Knicks last season finished fourth in the East. This year they are 12th. And any faint hopes of sneaking in the playoffs may have ended with the home loss to Atlanta. 117, 111 left the Knicks six games out, only 10 to play. Trey Young led the Hawks. He scored 45 points. R.J. Barrett had 30 for the Knicks. In Newark, nightmare second period for the Rangers. Devils won at 5-0, scoring all five in a 13-minute span. They won the game 7-4. The Islanders won 3-0 over Ottawa. Ash Barty is the best women's tennis player in the world, ranked number one. She just won Wimbledon, and then the native Aussie captured the Australian Open. But she's retiring at age 25. She's the anti-Tom Brady. Barty says she no longer has the physical drive or the emotional want. She's getting married. She says she's set to enjoy the next phase of her life. Baseball's opening day, two weeks from tomorrow. Yankees lost the Red Sox right now. The question is whether unvaccinated Yankees will be allowed to play or will it be a Kyrie Irving situation, not allowed to play home games or the city's private employer mandate for in-person work. Mayor Adams said yesterday they may peel it back slowly, but that most businesses like the mandate. Here's Yankee manager Aaron Boone.
7: I still think there's a lot up in the air and a lot left to play out, and, and we'll just see. But, no, we haven't had a big group discussion on, on these kind of things, where, again, um, I feel like Randy's on top of that and handling that, and we'll, we'll see where it goes, and, and when it comes to time that we have to address it, we will.
4: Boone referenced Yankee President Randy Levine, who used to work at City Hall. not knowing how many or which Yankees are unvaxxed. John Stashow, our Bloomberg Sports. John?
0: All right, John, thanks a lot ahead of the cash open on Wall Street this morning. Futures, uh, right now in the red, the down futures down 95 points. That's a decline of three-tenths of a percent. S&P E-mini futures, 16 points lower. That's down three-tenths. And the Nasdaq futures right now down 62 points, down four-tenths of a percent, as we also have to focus on the bond market this morning. As far as treasuries are concerned, the 10-year uh, getting a bit of a bid this morning, 10-year yield. Is at 236. That is down two basis points. The two year yield is at 2.11%. This is Bloomberg. Daybreak brought to you by the Jewish Communal Fund. JCF's Donor Advised Fund is the smart choice to manage your philanthropy, especially in times of crisis. Make your giving impactful. Visit jcfny.org. Markets, headlines,
5: and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash.
2: I'm Nathan Hager. Stocks are drifting lower along with uh, U.S. futures as global mo- uh, bond markets stabilize from an unprecedented route. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures right now are down 14 points. Dow futures down 88. NASDAQ futures lower by 63 points. Both uh, Germany's DAX and the CAC in Paris are down by two-tenths of 1%. The 10-year Treasury is up 430 seconds. The yield 2.36% yield on the two-year. NYMEX crude up 1.8% up $2.04 at $111.31 a barrel. Comex gold is up six tenths percent or $10.70 at 1937.40 an ounce. The euro 1.1002 against the dollar. British pound 1.3225. The yen is at 121.03. And that is a Bloomberg business flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Nathan,
3: thank you very much. One of two black boxes has been located in the crash of a China eastern plane with 132 people on board. However, the Civil Aviation Authority of China says the recorder is so damaged that they are not able to tell whether it is the flight data recorder or the cockpit voice recorder. President Joe Biden's trip to Europe comes at a critical moment for the war in Ukraine, which could become a bloody stalemate as Russia pummels cities with airstrikes and artillery. Biden departs today on a four-day trip. He'll head to Brussels and later Poland. In the NBA, the Nixon Warriors lost. In the NHL, the Devils beat the Rangers 7-4. The Islanders won. The Capitals lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barn. This is Bloomberg
0: Jump. Michael, thank you. Coming up on 620 on Wall Street, we're live for the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Global bond markets have suffered unprecedented losses, and money as a result has been flowing to stocks. For a closer look at the markets this morning, get you set up for the trading day ahead. We're joined by Tracy McMillian, head of Global Asset Allocation Strategy, Wells Fargo Investment Institute. She's joining us from Winston-Salem, North Carolina. This morning, nice for being, uh, nice to have you with us this morning. Are stocks the the correct alternative to bonds? So, uh, you know.
8: This week, what we have seen is investors moving into stocks and out of the bond market, um, putting that money into equities where, you know, companies still have the ability to raise prices to offset inflation. Um, And the issue appears to be um, one for another day that higher rates will inevitably slow growth you know, perhaps to the point of recession, um, we are in a highly charged, highly levered economy where interest rate uh, increases that go this far this fast will probably have a disruptive effect on equity markets at some point. But for today, investors are looking at equities versus fixed income, equities versus cash, and saying, "I ah, will stick with the inflation hedge of equities for now."
0: I mean, it sounds like you have to be a lot more selective in terms of looking at the margins and who has uh, the pricing power at this point.
8: You do. And, you know, investors are also looking at earnings season that starts in a couple of weeks here. And, you know, surprisingly, earnings really haven't, um, the forecast for earnings really haven't seen big revisions here. So, We think that that's probably a result of, um, you know, COVID starting to wane here in the U.S., um, at the same time that's being balanced, um, by, uh, you know, worsening consumer sentiment. But that's, uh, the two of them are kind of keeping earnings estimates pretty stable. So we think investors will be listening to companies, uh, quarterly reports to see what their forecasts are for the future and how much pricing power they have, how much margin pressures they're facing here. Uh, so they will start to be more selective.
0: You know, just back to fixed income, just for, for a moment, and I, I do want to focus just on equities, but when you consider the duration risk, can, can the treasuries be a, a safe haven
8: they can be uh, and they are when periods of uh, significant market volatility and you know the yield curve right now is Flashing a yellow warning sign because, um, you know, yields have moved up so much on the front end. But we think that's giving investors an opportunity to uh, invest in those shorter term, intermediate term bonds and generate more income, a lot more income than they were uh, generating, you know, just a couple of months ago. And that does provide a hedge in an equity portfolio
0: but i got to wonder if the uh, if for the average investor the the 60 40 portfolio is pretty much dead and buried at this point
8: <laughs> yeah, it's um it's a tough year for a 60/40 portfolio because both equities and fixed income, you know, have had negative returns so far this year. So a 60/40 is experiencing negative returns. And that's why we think uh investors need to diversify beyond just equities and fixed income and invest in things like commodities, which have had a pretty good year, um invest in hedge funds that are Um, market-neutral, that have strategies that can benefit in both up-markets and down-markets. So there's some diversification that probably should be happening here uh, beyond a traditional 60-40.
0: Yeah, you touched on this briefly before, but maybe a little deeper diver in the minute we have left. Can the the global economy weather a a sustained period of higher financing costs?
8: Yeah, so... um, we, we think so to, to some extent. Um, investors have been calling for the Fed to get tough on inflation, um, to prevent, uh, an even more problematic outcome in the future. So, you know, a hawkish, a hawkish Fed right now is counterintuitively being seen as the market's friend. Um, And, you know, in in the presence of so much uncertainty, um, markets are really latching on to these short-lived themes, um, and that's causing significant price movements. We think that, you know, for the uh, near term, we probably are going to be able to avoid a recession, but we're, we're growing a little bit more concerned about 2023.
0: Tracy, a pleasure. Thanks for being with us this morning. Tracy McMillian, head of Global Asset Allocation Strategy, Wells Fargo Investment Institute. And ahead of the cash open on Wall Street, the Dow futures right now 100 points lower. That's down three-tenths of a percent. S&P evening futures 17 points lower than NASDAQ futures, down 77. Uh, Tracy mentioned the yield curve flattening the uh, difference between twos and tens right now, 22 basis points. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Daybreak, being brought to you by Anshin. Accountants and advisors challenging times call for proactive advisors who help minimize taxes, increase cash flow, and create opportunities for the future of your business. Visit Anshin.com. Broadcasting live
5: from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York, Bloomberg 113O, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 99.1, to Boston, Bloomberg one zero six one to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is
2: Bloomberg Daybreak. <laughs>
0: It's 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm John Tucker.
2: I'm Nathan Hager. We're about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by IBKR. Investment advisors switch to interactive brokers for lowest-cost global trading and turnkey custody solutions. No ticket charges. No conflicts of your interest at IBKR.com slash RIA. Up first, President Biden heads to Europe today to rally allies around tougher sanctions on Russia for its invasion of Ukraine. We get the latest from Bloomberg senior reporter Mark
7: Champion
4: what they are trying to do is to get ahead of what they know will be a continuing issue with Russia over Ukraine. So try and get ahead on issues like how do we make sure that the sanctions take real effect? How do we resolve our differences over how to deal with energy? The oil.
2: Bloomberg's Mark Champion says President Biden will join back-to-back summits, first with NATO members in Brussels, then the Group of Seven and European Union.
0: It's day three of Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson's Supreme Court hearing before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Yesterday marked her first chance to field questions from Congress and defend her record.
1: My record demonstrates that I am not proceeding from any sort of preconceived notion about how a case comes out.
0: Jackson faced questions from Republicans about her religion, critical race theory, child pornography, and abortion.
1: I'm not ruling consistent with any sort of ideology. I'm doing what impartial and fair judges do, which is to decide in every case based only on the facts and the law.
2: Jackson returns to Capitol Hill for more questioning today. Turning to markets now, John, global bonds remain under heavy pressure. The Bloomberg Global Aggregate Index, a benchmark for government and corporate debt total returns, has fallen 11% from a high in January last year. That's the biggest decline from a peak in data stretching back to 1990. With
0: the bond market in focus, tune in today for more from the Fed. We're going to speak live this morning with San Francisco President Mary Daly. Catch that at 11.30 a.m. Wall Street time.
2: Now looking at the economy Now, a new study shows many Americans are still seeing wages below $15 an hour. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with that. Renita?
1: Nathan, a report from Oxfam America finds one in three U.S. workers is still making less than $15 an hour. And the share of women and people of color earning that amount is even greater. The report helps quantify the impact from the Raise the Wage Act, which would set a $15 an hour federal minimum wage. The legislation is still pending in Congress. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young. Bloomberg Daybreak.
2: All right, Renita. Thank you. Those are the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers. Right now, S&P futures are lower by 14 points. NASDAQ futures down 65. Local headlines and a check of sports up next. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg.
0: Nathan, thanks. 6.33 on Wall Street. Time to bring in Michael Barr to tell us what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much, sir. New York City Mayor
3: Eric Adams is preparing to lift requirements that children under the age of five wear face masks in schools. Adams says that he will make masks optional for those in daycare and pre-kindergarten starting April 4th if case rates and the risk of the virus spreading remain low.
4: And let me tell you something. It doesn't matter what decisions you make on this you're going to have um vociferous people on both sides of the conversations and so we we can't go by the noise we have to go by the science and we have to go by the safety of our children
3: two weeks ago mayor adams lifted several pandemic related rules including requirements that students five and older wear masks in school The Gateway Rail Project tunnel between New York and New Jersey is expected to compete for some of the $2.9 billion in grants that the Biden administration is making available for infrastructure projects of regional or national significance. According to Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg, Two types of projects that are eligible under these programs are intercity passenger rail infrastructure and interstate bridges, and the tunnel touches both of those categories. At least one person is dead after a tornado tore through parts of New Orleans and its suburbs last night, flipping cars and ripping roofs off homes. Parts of St. Bernard Parish, which borders New Orleans to the southeast, appeared to take the brunt of the twister. Louis Pomus is the St. Bernard Parish Board Yard Chief of Operations.
2: They did a walkthrough on every street that was damaged
4: and we're doing a search and rescue at every house that we could possibly
3: do. Road Yard Chief Louis Pomus. The damage comes after other tornadoes spawned by the same storm system hit parts of Texas and Oklahoma. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki has tested positive for COVID. It's the second time. She has tested positive for the virus. Saki says she will no longer travel with President Joe Biden to Europe. Hillary Clinton says she has tested positive for COVID. In a tweet, Clinton says she has some mild cold symptoms, but is feeling fine. Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, this is Bloomberg. John. Michael, thank you.
0: And it's now 6.36 on Wall Street. Time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashower. Good morning, John. Last season and for the Knicks with
4: a loss at the Garden to the Trey Young-led Atlanta Hawks. Last night, Young was back. He scored 45 points and led Atlanta to a 117-111 victory that likely ended the Knicks' already faint playoff hopes. RJ Barrett scored 30. Knicks were without the injured Julius Randle, who got fined $40,000 for using hostile language towards a ref as if... Randall's season hasn't gone poorly enough. He's now been fined a total of $130,000. Rangers in New Jersey led 2-0 second period and the Devils scored five goals in 13 minutes. Jack Hughes added two more in the third. The Devils won 7-4. Islanders a 3-0 shutout of Ottawa. NIT wins for Xavier and St. Bonaventure. Both will come to the guard next week for the NIT Final Four. In Port St. Lucie, Mets over the Marlins 2-0. Welcome back Jacob deGrom. He got six outs, five by strikeout. DeGrom's Brilliant 2021 season came to an end in early July. Jordan Montgomery roughed up. Toronto beat the Yankees 9-2. to Baseball's bringing back the ghost runner. Extra innings will again begin with a runner at second base. The Phillies with a shortened spring training. It's for the best not to have extra long games. They're also expanding the rosters in April. Stunning news from tennis. World number one, Ash Barty, announced her retirement.
1: I don't have that in me anymore. I don't have the the physical drive, the emotional um, want and and kind of everything it takes to to challenge yourself at the very top of the level anymore. And I think I just know that I'm absolutely, I I, I am spent. Um, I just know physically I, I have nothing more
4: to give. Marty's only 25. She did step away from tennis once before. John Stashow, our Bloomberg
0: Sports. John. John, thanks very much. That brings us to 637 on Wall Street. Time now to take a look at stocks. And some of the names that are moving in the pre-market for that, we're joined by Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Criti Gupta. You know, one of my favorite functions on the Bloomberg is iMap Go, so you can take an index and break it down, and see what the the big movers. Yesterday may be no surprise. There was only one uh, uh, industry mover in the red of all the 11 industry groups in the S&P 500. That was uh, energy.
6: So a complete reversal of that today in that those are the moves that are actually moving higher. You have a lot of kind of red on the screen. But today it goes back to the trade that we've been talking about for weeks, for months, the idea of hopping into American oil companies, basically. So Occidental, of course, is going to be at the top of that list, 2.2% uh, gains in the pre-market for OXY. That's your ticker there. Uh, joined by similar companies, Marathon Oil, up 1.6%. MRO is your ticker. Halliburton, not too far away. HAL is your ticker there, up 1.3%. Even those diversified oil Oil names are doing better. Uh, Chevron, CVX, uh, Exxon, XOM, both up about eight-tenths of a percent. Of course, this is following higher oil prices, so no surprise that's going to seep into uh, what you're going to see in the stock market. Brent crude, for example, at $118 a barrel. And I was reading a story this morning. It looks like the consensus here is that we're headed for $150 a barrel when it comes to oil. So if that's your bet... Then energy stocks are probably going to rally with that.
0: Okay, at the Wawa on Route 36 this morning in New Jersey it was just under 3 dollars and I think nine tenths. So what are you talking about? It's going higher.
6: When you say th- when when you, you say the Wawa, bearer of
0: bad news,
6: I'm sorry yeah, that's, uh,
0: that's where you, that's the uh convenience store,
6: yes yes yes, I know i was very uh very exposed to it in Virginia. I'm a <laughs> Texas girl, and when I went to college in Virginia, everyone was obsessed with Wawa. I did not understand the obsession um
0: but but I get it sort of what's what's going on with Nvidia this morning?
6: Uh, yeah, this is going to be the other story. So the other side of this trade, right, there's kind of two spectrums of the trade. On the one hand, you have big tech, your safe haven, um, but also your really heavy waiters. On the other hand, you have the battered oil sector. So on days that uh, the battered oil sector really outperforms, like what kind of looks like today's going to be that kind of day, big tech, uh, NVIDIA is included, kind of underperformed. So NVIDIA is actually under pressure right now. NVDA is your ticker down by 7 tenths of a percent in the pre-market. And this is significant because it goes to some very important. They had an investor day yesterday, and they're actually talking about buybacks here. A lot of investors were expecting after the deal to acquire ARM, the $40 billion deal, would have been the biggest uh, chip-making acquisition in history. Well, obviously, they didn't get uh, the regulatory approval for that. So, NVIDIA, a lot of... uh, investors were expecting NVIDIA to ramp up their buybacks instead with all the other extra cash they had lying around. In their investor day, they said, nope, we're not doing that. So investors not too, not too thrilled about that this morning.
0: All right. Thanks. Appreciate it. You know, Wawa felt upside down as mama. Bloomberg <laughs> Bloomberg Radio TV work. Markets correspondent, pretty good but Thanks for joining us. And as we look at uh, stocks on the whole r- this morning, down futures down 93 right now. The S&P E-mini futures, they are down 16 points. And the Nasdaq futures... 75 points lower as far as treasuries, the 10 year at 236. At least the yield that's down two basis points. This is Bloomberg and Bloomberg weather from Rob Carolyn thickening clouds with showers arriving. That'll be just before evening tonight. The high temperature today 45 to 50. Tomorrow, occasional rain, the high temperature 50 to 55 degrees markets headlines
5: and breaking news 24 hours a day at bloomberg.com the bloomberg business app and at bloomberg quick take this is a bloomberg business flash
2: I'm Nathan Hager. Stocks are drifting lower as global markets uh, in bonds stabilize from an unprecedented route. European stocks paused after their longest winning streak since November. S&P contracts pointing lower after the index clawed back half. The decline that began in January. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down 18 points. Dow futures down 113. NASDAQ futures are lower by 91 points. The DAX in Germany, CAC in Paris both down four tenths of one percent. The 10-year treasury is up four thirty seconds. The yield is 2.36 percent. Yield on the two-year, 2.13 percent. NYMEX crude up two and a half percent, now up $2.73 at $112 even a barrel. COMEX gold up six tenths percent, up $11.90 at 1938.60 an ounce. The euro, 1.1002 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3222. The yen is at 121.02. And Bitcoin, 1% lower on the session at about $42,200. That is a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now, here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael?
3: nathan thank you very much china says one of two black boxes from the china eastern plane crash was found in severely damaged condition the recorder is so damaged that they are not able to tell whether it is the flight data recorder or the cockpit voice recorder 132 people were killed in that plane crash president joe biden is seeking to rally u.s allies around harder hitting sanctions to punish russia for invading ukraine biden leaves today for back-to-back summits thursday with nato the group of seven and the european union in brussels the president will then head to poland on friday in the nba the Knicks and warriors lost in the nhl the devils beat the rangers 7-4 the islanders won the capitals lost global news 24 hours a day on air and on bloomberg quick take powered by more than 2700 journalists
2: and analysts in more than 120 countries i'm michael Barr. this is bloomberg nathan Thank you, Michael. 649 on Wall Street. Now let's turn to news in science and technology. The Bloomberg NJIT STEM report is brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, ranked in the top 2% nationally for alumni mid-career earnings and number one in the nation for student upward economic mobility. Uh, More at njit.edu. Now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. More than a third of last week's coronavirus cases in the U.S. were caused by the Omicron BA2 subvariant. That is a notable increase from a week earlier. CDC says the subvariant is most common in New England and the New York region. BA2 is not believed to be more dangerous than other strains, but it may be more infectious. Federal officials have proposed designating the northern long-eared bat, once common but ravaged by a deadly fungus. As an endangered species, the population has plummeted since colonies infected with white-nose syndrome were spotted in New York caves in the mid-2000s. That bat, the northern long-ear, is likely to go extinct without a dramatic turnaround. And FIFA has added Crypto.com as one of the sponsors for this year's Soccer World Cup in Qatar. The high-profile sponsorship deal comes just months after Singapore-based Crypto.com said it would replace Staples as the title sponsor of downtown Los Angeles's. Iconic Arena Crypto dot com getting around. That's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report, John.
0: All right, thanks, Nathan. We're live from the Bloomberg Interactive broker studios, where it is now six fifty on Wall Street, and it's time to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital this morning include, of course, President Biden taking a tough on Putin message to the allies as he set to travel overseas. The U.S. is going to hold the largest military drill in decades with the Philippines. And Judge Jackson Perry's uh, Republican attacks inches toward joining the Supreme Court. And also one of three U.S. workers earning less than $15 an hour. We've been taking a closer look at that all morning. Let's take a deeper dive now into some of these stories with Bloomberg government reporter Jack Fitzpatrick. Jack, thanks for being with us this morning. What's the message that uh, President Biden takes with him as uh, he heads to Europe this week? Big week for uh, for diplomacy.
7: Yeah, well, the biggest thing is that they're looking to make an announcement, according to Jake Sullivan, the president's national security advisor, regarding further sanctions. We don't have all the details on what exactly those sanctions are going to be, but there's going to be a conversation between the U.S. and European allies, uh, Sullivan has said, on trying to increase European energy independence from Russia. Uh, obviously, a lot of talk and a little bit of pushback recently from German Chancellor Olaf Scholz on the idea of actually cutting off German imports of oil and natural gas from Russia, uh, but some sort of reduction of imports uh, and a reduction of European reliance on Russian energy is on the docket, as well as a conversation about getting everyone on the same page in terms of what the response would be if China were to materially uh, support Russia. Obviously, there were some warnings from the U.S. last week on repercussions for China if they get involved uh, on behalf of Russia, uh, and that is something that the president is looking to follow up on in a conversation with uh, European allies. Yeah, particularly with uh, energy sanctions
0: being dependent on Russia for a lot of things, is the resolve uh, as strong as it appears to be on the surface right now?
7: Well, you know, even on the surface, there is some hesitance and and just difficulty to move away. Uh, For the U.S., it's one thing to ban imports of fossil fuels from Russia, because we get a a very small percentage on the imports, about 3% of our oil and natural gas from Russia. Um, But countries like Germany, again, have a much harder time, and it raises more long-term questions about exactly how their energy systems work and how how they would move away from that. That's not something you can solve in uh, a day or a month or even very easily in a year. So there's going to be a conversation about what is feasible uh, to move those more reliant countries away from Russia uh, and what's possible in the short term. But it is a very difficult thing, and that's why the president, in conversations with Congress when they're pushing him to impose uh, further sanctions, whether it's on Nord Stream 2 or elsewhere in the energy sector, he has at times pumped the brakes a little bit and said that he wants to run this by European allies and really take an international approach because it's very difficult for them.
0: And this also was sort of on the, the foreign relations front. The U.S. holding a military drill, one of the biggest in decades with the Philippines. And uh, guess who sends uh, sends the, this uh, sends a message to, I guess, is one of the questions.
7: Yeah, it's it's hard to read this in any other context uh, other than a, a message to China. This is a, a very large military uh, d- drill with the Philippines uh, in in a region that's gotten a lot of attention lately. This is happening March 20- 28th through April 8th um i obviously one with the the warnings as i mentioned uh about china taking any role uh in materially aiding russia uh this is this is not the easiest time for conversations between the us and china uh, the the conversation last week between Presidents biden and xi focusing more on russia uh but this you know it, it potentially could even send uh, a bit of a message about U.S. cooperation with uh, allies in the region, almost an Indo-Pacific version of NATO, as the U.S. looks to shore up uh, cooperation with countries like the Philippines and other uh, military allies in the area. China hasn't pushed back on this very hard, but it's it's the kind of thing that it, the the context is this is read as a bit of a, a message to China about the U.S.'s presence in that region.
0: And finally, on the, the hill there, uh, Judge Jackson pairing with the GOP, the inching toward the Supreme Court, uh, with the nomination, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. Uh, the Republicans on the panel said it wouldn't descend into anything like the, the Kavanaugh hearings. Uh, where does it stand right now?
7: Well, there was some pointed question, uh, questioning from, uh, some, some of the more, I guess, high profile Senate Republicans. We heard from Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, uh, sort of seeing if, if there are holes in her record. The, the line of questioning regarding, uh, ten instances in which she handed down lesser sentences to people convicted on child pornography charges than what federal yeah. guidelines might have, have called for. Uh, she really Uh-oh. pushed back on that and said that you know, on the whole, that she has in no way a, a weak record on that. Uh, I, nothing seemed to change in terms of uh, changing the minds of Democrats who plan to support her. Uh, yeah. It's still really expected that she can manage a, at least a slight majority. Jack, thanks very much. Bloomberg Government Reporter Jack Fitzpatrick.
0: And you can read more about these stories on Bloomberg.com or the Bloomberg Terminal. Reminder, you can follow all the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington. That's Bloomberg 99.1 at 105.7 FM HD2. Nathan.
2: All right, John. Thanks. 656 on Wall Street. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Of course, March is Women's History Month. And every day this month, we're celebrating significant moments in women's history. Now, with your installment for March 23rd, here is Bloomberg's Renita Young.
1: On this day in women's history in 1917, Virginia Woolf establishes the Hogarth Press with her husband, Leonard Woolf, in the dining room of their home. They published works by key modernist writers. And on the day they established the Hogarth Press, Virginia and Leonard were walking down the street in London and saw the Excelsior printing supply company window. Before that, they'd been turned down at the St. Bride School of Printing. But when they walked into Excelsior, an assistant convinced them that with the help of a 16-page booklet, they'd be able to teach themselves all they needed to start their own printing business. So the Wolfs bought a small hand printing press and launched the business. Virginia would print several of her own books, and she's now considered one of the most innovative writers of the 20th century. Through their non-linear approaches to writing, Virginia's novels greatly influenced the narrative genre. That's today in women's history. I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Radio.
2: All right, Renita, thank you. Futures moving lower on this Wednesday morning. Bloomberg surveillance is up next. For John Tucker, I'm Nathan Hager. This is Bloomberg.
1: You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through.